Letter Two of Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Moser. Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania by John Dickinson. Letter Two. Beloved countrymen, there is another late act of Parliament which seems to me to be as destructive to the liberty of these colonies as that inserted in my last letter, that is, the act for granting the duties on paper, glass, etc. It appears to me to be unconstitutional. The Parliament unquestionably possesses a legal authority to regulate the trade of Great Britain and all its colonies. Such an authority is essential to the relation between a mother country and its colonies, and necessary for the common good of all. He who considers these provinces as states distinct from the British Empire has very slender notions of justice or of their interests. We are but parts of a whole and therefore there must exist a power somewhere to preside and preserve the connection in due order. This power is lodged in the Parliament, and we are as much dependent on Great Britain as a perfectly free people can be on another. I have looked over every statute relating to these colonies. From their first settlement to this time, and I find every one of them founded on this principle, till the Stamp Act administration. All before are calculated to preserve or promote a mutually beneficial intercourse between the several constituent parts of the empire. And though many of them imposed duties on trade, yet those duties were always imposed with design to restrain the commerce of one part, that was injurious to another, and thus to promote the general welfare. The raising a revenue thereby was never intended. Thus, the king by his judges in his courts of justice imposes fines which altogether amount to a considerable sum and contribute to the support of government. But this is merely a consequence arising from restrictions which only meant to keep peace and prevent confusion. And surely a man would argue very loosely, who should conclude from hence that the king has a right to levy money in general upon his subjects. Never did the British Parliament, till the period above mentioned, think of imposing duties in America for the purpose of raising a revenue. Mr. Greenville's sagacity first introduced this language in the preamble to the fourth of George the Third's chapter 15, which has these words, And whereas it is just and necessary that a revenue be raised in your majesty's said dominions in America, for defraying the expenses of defending, protecting, and securing the same, we, your majesty's most dutiful and loyal subjects, the commons of Great Britain, in Parliament assembled, 
being desirous to make some provisions in the present session of parliament towards raising the said revenue in america have resolved to give and grant unto your majesty the several rates and duties herein after mentioned etc a few months after came the stamp act which reciting this proceeds in the same strange mode of expression thus and whereas it is just and necessary that provision be made for raising a further revenue within your majesty's dominions in america towards defraying the said expenses we your majesty's most dutiful and loyal subjects the commons of great britain etc give and grant etc as before the last act granting duties upon paper etc carefully pursues these modern precedents the preamble is whereas it is expedient that a revenue should be raised in your majesty's dominions in america for making a more certain and adequate provision for the defraying the charge of the administration of justice and the support of civil government in such provinces where it shall be found necessary and towards the further defraying the expenses of defending protecting and securing the said dominions we your majesty's most dutiful and loyal subjects the commons of great britain etc give and grant etc as before here we may observe an authority expressly claimed to impose duties on these colonies not for the regulation of trade not for the preservation or promotion of a mutually beneficial intercourse between the several constituent parts of the empire heretofore the sole objects of parliamentary institutions but for the single purpose of levying money upon us this i call an innovation and a most dangerous innovation it may perhaps be objected that great britain has a right to lay what duties she pleases upon her exports and it makes no difference to us whether they are paid here or there to this i answer these colonies require many things for their use which the laws of great britain prohibit them from getting anywhere but from her such are paper and glass that we may be legally bound to pay any general duties on these commodities relative to the regulation of trade is granted but we being obliged by her laws to take them from great britain any special duties imposed on their exportation to us only with intention to raise a revenue from us only are as much taxes upon us as those imposed by the stamp act what is the difference in substance and right whether the same sum is raised upon us by the rates mentioned in the stamp act on the use of the paper or by these duties on the importation of it it is nothing but the addition of a former book with a new title page suppose the duties were made payable in great britain it signifies nothing to us whether they are to be paid here or there had the stamp act directed that all the paper should be landed in florida and the duties paid there before it was brought to the british colonies would the act have raised less 
money upon us or have been less destructive of our rights by no means for as we were under a necessity of using the paper we should have been under the necessity of paying the duties thus in the present case a like necessity will subject us if this act continues in force to the payment of the duties now imposed why was the stamp act then so pernicious to freedom it did not enact that every man in the colonies should buy a certain quantity of paper no it only directed that no instrument of writing should be valid in law if not made on stamp paper etc the makers of that act knew full well that the confusions that would arise upon the disuse of writings would compel the colonies to use the stamp paper and therefore to pay the taxes imposed for this reason the stamp act was said to be a law that would execute itself for the very same reason the last act of parliament if it is granted to have any force here will execute itself and will be attended with the very same consequences to american liberty some persons perhaps may say that this act lays us under no necessity to pay the duties imposed because we may ourselves manufacture the articles on which they are laid whereas by the stamp act no instrument of writing could be good unless made on british paper and that too stamped such an objection amounts to no more than this that the injury resulting to these colonies from the total disuse of british paper and glass will not be so afflicting as that which would have resulted from the total disuse of writing among them for by that means even the stamp act might have been eluded why then was it universally detested by them as slavery itself because it presented to these devoted provinces nothing but a choice of calamities embittered by indignities each of which it was unworthy of freemen to bear but is no injury a violation of right but the greatest injury if the eluding the payment of the duties imposed by the stamp act would have subjected us to a more dreadful inconvenience than the eluding the payments of those imposed by the late act does it therefore follow that the last is no violation of our rights though it is calculated for the same purpose that the other was that is to raise money upon us without our consent this would be making right to consist not in an exemption from injury but from a certain degree of injury but the objectors may further say that we shall sustain no injury at all by the disuse of british paper and glass we might not if we could make as much as we want but can any man acquainted with america believe this possible i am told there are but two or three glass houses on this continent and but very few paper mills and suppose more should be erected a long course of years must elapse before they can be brought to perfection 
this continent is a country of planters farmers and fishermen not of manufacturers the difficulty of establishing particular manufacturers in such a country is almost insuperable for one manufacture is connected with others in such a manner that it may be said to be impossible to establish one or two without establishing several others the experience of many nations may convince us of this truth inexpressible therefore must be our distresses in evading the late acts by the disuse of british paper and glass nor will this be the extent of our misfortunes if we admit the legality of that act great britain has prohibited the manufacturing iron and steel in these colonies without any objection being made to her right of doing it the like right she must have to prohibit any other manufacturer among us thus she is possessed of an undisputed precedent on that point this authority she will say is founded on the original intention of settling these colonies that is that she should manufacture for them and that they should supply her with materials the equity of this policy she will also say has been universally acknowledged by the colonies who never have made the least objection to statutes for that purpose and will further appear by the mutual benefits flowing from this usage ever since the settlement of these colonies our great advocate mr pitt in his speeches on the debate concerning the repeal of the stamp act acknowledged that great britain could restrain our manufactures his words are these the kingdom as the supreme governing and legislative power has always bound the colonies by her regulations and restrictions in trade in navigation and manufactures in everything except that of taking their money out of their pockets without their consent again he says we may bind their trade confine their manufactures and exercise every power whatever except that of taking money out of their pockets without their consent here then let my countrymen rouse yourselves and behold the ruin hanging over our heads if they once admit that great britain may lay duties upon her exportations to us for the purpose of levying money on us only she then will have nothing to do but to lay those duties on the articles which she prohibits us to manufacture and the tragedy of american liberty is finished we have been prohibited from procuring manufactures in all cases anywhere but from great britain excepting linens which we are permitted to import directly from ireland we have been prohibited in some cases from manufacturing for ourselves we are therefore exactly in the situation of a city besieged which is surrounded by the works of the besiegers in every part but one if that is closed up no step can be taken but to surrender at discretion if great britain can order us to come to her for necessaries we want and can order us to pay what taxes she pleases 
before we take them away, or when we have them here. We are as abject slaves as France and Poland can shoe in wooden shoes and with uncombed hair. Perhaps the nature of the necessities of the dependent states, caused by the policy of a governing one, for her own benefit, may be elucidated by the fact mentioned in history. When the Carthaginians were possessed of the island of Sardinia, they made a decree that the Sardinians should not get corn any other way than from the Carthaginians. Then, by imposing any duties they would, they drained from the miserable Sardinians any sums they pleased. And whenever that oppressed people made the least movement to assert their liberty, their tyrants starved them to death or submission. This may be called the most perfect kind of political necessity. From what has been said, I think this uncontrovertible conclusion may be deduced, that when a ruling state obliges a dependent state to take certain commodities from her alone, it is implied in the nature of that obligation, and is essentially requisite to give it the least degree of justice, and it is inseparably united with it, in order to preserve any share of freedom to the dependent state, that those commodities should never be loaded with duties for the sole purpose of levying money on the dependent state. The place of paying the duties imposed by the late act appears to me therefore to be totally immaterial. The single question is whether the Parliament can legally impose duties to be paid by the people of these colonies only for the sole purpose of raising a revenue on commodities which she obliges us to take from her alone, or, in other words, whether the Parliament can legally take money out of our pockets without our consent. If they can, our boasted liberty is but vox et pretera nihil, a sound and nothing else. A. Farmer End of Letter 2